Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. Today, I am joined with an outstanding guest today. I'm very excited about this because, as you know, the bulk of our show is about getting better in your finances and improving your financial position. Today is one of those gems where we get to talk about improving your real estate position and, and bettering yourself and developing wealth through real estate. And I've brought one of the experts in this on the show today. I'd like to welcome to the show, Chris Prefontaine. Thanks for joining us today, my friend. Oh, thanks for having me, Courtney. I can't wait to chat. Hopefully, we'll give him some nuggets as we go, right? I'm looking forward to that for sure. You know, Chris cool. is a four-time best-selling author of Real Estate on Your Terms, The New Rules of Real Estate Investing, and Selling with Authority for Real Estate Investors. He's also founder of the Wicked Smart Companies and host of the Smart Real Estate Coach Podcast. Chris has been in real estate for over 31 years. His experience ranges from constructing new homes in the 90s and owning a real estate executive franchise and to running his own investment and commercial residential and coaching clients throughout North America. Chris, I tell you what, that's a heck of a resonator. I mean, you got a lot going on there, but, and I, I know from just basic research and some of the things uh, that you guys have on your website, as well as your bio, man, a lot of this started in 2008 for you, as far as like, Hey, coming out of the crash and how do I make this work? You know, take us back in time and take us to what brought the wicked smart community to life. Yeah, it was 08. So I, oh, and I got crushed and then it took me four years to get out of my head. You know, I, <laughs> I, I blame me. I'm like, uh, a couple of my mentors said when I was brave enough to reach out to him, Chris, it's the national market. You didn't take mm -hmm. down the market. Okay. So get out of your head. And then, and then it took me reaching out, took too long, but it took me reaching out to some people that went through way worse, way worse to, to kind of chuckle. One didn't chuckle at me and say, this is why this is nothing and gave me all what he's gone through. So it made us pivot because I was on a bunch of loans personally. So we went out of there going, ah, oh, geez, okay, I'm going to get back into it aggressively. What am I going to do? And that was don't take out loans that you have to mm -hmm. guarantee. Um, and don't use gobs of cash. Do we use tiny bits sometimes? Yeah, we'll talk about it with the different deals, but a typical deal is no money down and a typical deal is principal only payments, things like that, that we didn't do back then. So I'll tell you the difference when I put my head in the pillow now with controlling the property we do with no personal guarantees is a lot different than pre-08, <laughs> a lot different mentally. Yeah, and you probably, you know, the financial scars, you know, for all of us that lived through that financial meltdown, you know, we still see them every single day when we look at the, some of the decisions we're making. It's like, oh, right. I got to go back in time. And, you know, it's right. an interesting time during that. But what I love about your story is you, like, so there's a lot of, you know, people that didn't get their head out of the sand, but you chose and you found a way to turn that turmoil into a high leverage success model that you've created right now. And the Wicked Smart community is a community of people that think like you or want to learn to think like you for that matter. And I love, I love it. The more I read about it and learned it. And I think, you know, just cutting right to the chase here, I think our audience is dying to know, Hey, how do I buy money? You know, we hear this all the time. How do we buy homes with no money down? Like how, how is this yeah. possible? What, what extends from this? And, you know, I think for the audience, we should start by defining buying on terms and what that yeah. means. A lot of people don't understand that. And if you don't mind, just kind of walk us through what that means in your world and how you define that. Yeah, because I wrote my book, my first book called it Real Estate on Your Terms, that lived in the community, but everybody, everybody for years kept saying to me, all right, Chris, why don't you just say creative real estate? So it's really creative <laughs> real estate, creative financing, um, but the book still lives with that name. Uh, they didn't get me out of that. Yeah. And all it means is we do owner finance, three things, owner financing, and we niche that, that down, Quentin, to more owner financing with free and clear owners. And we can talk about why, including the building I'm standing in right now. Uh, we also buy uh, subject to existing loans, which you and I talked about off the air. Mm -hmm. And then third is lease purchase. Okay. A new student leans towards the lease purchase at first, but there's so many more benefits to own, as you know, and we can talk about the pros and cons. Yeah, let's jump right into that, uh, you know, sellers that have homes free and clear and why that is more attractive in all of those equations to start off. 
I love it for a bunch of reasons in no particular order. Number one, if I'm talking to a free and clear owner, and you can just buy the list of free and clear. We love out of state free and clear is what we love. Um, they, they usually, presumably, if they needed the money, they would have pulled it, right? So mm-hmm. they're usually in good shape. And so they want usually what? The price. They don't care about the term. They don't care to get the money today. They want the price. This building, we do mostly residential, but this building was a free and clear owner mm-hmm. who specifically wanted owner financing. He didn't want to get paid off. And he forgot to put a prepay in and he was like shooting himself. He did not want the cash. And so they, they sometimes still do it for that reason or for estate planning. He had his wife and his kid. Now he's since passed and maybe he knew that. And he didn't want them to have a building. He wanted them to have a, an income stream. So they're a bank. That's all. Right. Um, so that's why we love the free and clear. And I, let me give you some quick metrics and we'll go to the other two. When you find a property, 200 grand or higher, which is most people can do that, any mm-hmm. asset class, and you construct your lease a 48 month deal, four year deal, and you construct your principal only payments of at least like 950, let's call it 1,000, and higher without three payday system, you have a six figure deal over the term of the deal, not mm-hmm. upfront. That's pretty cool. Now, doesn't mean you're going to go find one of these a month or two or three or 10 a month, but you are going to find a handful of these per year. And those are pretty lucrative. So that's all the financing. They just become the bank. Um, Secondly is um, the subject to existing loans. I love these now because the loans now we're buying properties with all those old interest rates, two and a half, 3.2 the student just got. Those are, that's amazing. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. So you have an opportunity to do that. And then the third one is uh, lease purchase. Well, I should define that. I'm sorry for people that are new. Subject to just means I'm going to buy Quentin's home and he stays as the guarantor of that mortgage if he was on it and I own his house. Yep. Until he gets cashed out, he's on the loan. And this is and not an assumable mortgage. This is totally different than assuming a mortgage. Correct. Yep. Assumable, yeah, good point. Assumable means you're going to apply. Right. <laughs> if it's assumable, you're going to apply and try to get on that. You're not doing that. Nope, you're just buying it. Now, I just, those two, those two um, niches though, what typically is the person free and clear? Good shape financially, we said. What mm-hmm. typically is the sub two person? I need to fix my financial headache now. Please do this. That's the difference. It's two different people. Um, lease purchase, you get a mix of different avatars there as far as the sellers. Uh, the cool thing about that for a new person is they we type these properties for 10 bucks. Our, our agreements are pre-done $10 and you still create the three paydays that are massive. The difference is you get zero benefits for depreciation and other ownership qualities. And But the benefit is if you're brand new, no title transfers, no fees. No, nothing. You control that property. There's yeah. a proper way of doing it. You got a cloud title and be protected, but it's it's a nice thing for a new person that's risk averse. Yeah. And for our audience, you know, what Chris is describing right here, these are the ideal seller situations you're looking for. And, you know, right. when you hear people leveraging money or debt leveraging, or more importantly, buying with no money down, this is the this is the pathway towards that. Identifying the property, identifying the seller, and they have to fit in one of those three buckets that Chris just described. And I think that that's really important they understand that. And then you mentioned something in there, and I know you've you've trademarked this term, you know, but the 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 payday the three payday in there. And yeah. I think that that's really a unique system because I think the two of those I was very aware of. There was a third one in the middle there I never really gave enough credit towards. And when I read this, I was like, that makes complete sense. You mind breaking that down for the audience on how that would work on one of these properties? Yeah, and how I was born is to your earlier question in 2008. I said, aside from the bank stuff, I said, all right, listen, I, I don't want to get, I remember saying to my wife, I don't want to be in transaction mode again. <laughs> where I get one check. I built the house, I get a check. It was great, but I didn't want to do that again and start over every January, right? right. So these allow you to, uh, a buyer enters the home because we work with buyers who need time to get financing. Buyer enters the home. They're a true buyer. They're not a renter that has this dream to buy. So they have a down payment. That's payday one. Payday two is a delta between what I'm paying the seller or the underlying debt, if it's a lease purchase or a sub two. 
and what I have the buyer paying me monthly. And that spread can be 300 to 1,000, depending on the size of property. And then the, the payday three is really cool because it's all the principal paid down throughout the term. And in owner financing deals, all principal and any markup you do. That's why I could confidently say, if you do these three criteria, you'll have a six figure deal because we know the metrics. Um, so it's pretty powerful. So picture a spreadsheet when you get payday ones are now, but picture a spreadsheet with these different maturity dates. Mm -hmm. You can put that out in time. Once you get 10, 12 properties, that becomes a pretty cool spreadsheet that you know when you can get up the treadmill, when you can take six months off, whatever, because you have that cash flow coming in. Yeah, no, I think that's excellent. You know, and for our, our audience, you know, if you're not in real estate, we we're talking really fast here and going through a lot of different things. But I mean, I'm from New England, so that's yeah, what happens. I was going to say you're from the New England area, and I'm and I'm on my second cup of coffee, so we're we're moving right along here. But the the thing that I love about this is that you know I think if you're looking for hundred dollar down homes, those are traditionally HUD homes. A lot of people are, are familiar with that concept, but let's jump into real quick, you know, a seller that is, let's say needs to do something with their financial position. Now let's go straight to that, that, that seller finance lease purchase, you know, is subject to let's, let's walk through, how are you identifying? Like, how do you know there's a seller that has financial issues they need to solve? What's the best way of identifying that? You're not just knocking on their door and giving them a call. I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of way you've developed a, a lead system on that. Yeah. So a couple of things and I'll go two levels. So basic level, when you knew, we have a service that provides for sale by owner, not, no, nothing different, uh, for, uh, for rent by owner and expired listings. Now, during COVID craze, expired listings were, were few and uh, far between. Now they're back up. Mm -hmm. So then we have a virtual assistant call that. Can you call them yourself? You can, but for the price of the virtual assistants that we haven't trained and created real estate, you just have them called. So you'll get people that at least raise their hand and said, yeah, I have someone call me. I'll talk to them. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the motivation on the sheet. It's all I do. I don't care if they said yes or no that they like creative real estate, I just want to know what's the motivation because if there's something I can solve, i.e. to your point with the sub twos, they have a financial crisis or they're going to in two months or they're behind already, that's what I'm going to solve. Okay. And that, that becomes very easy when you can solve because people say to me, well, how do you convince them? You don't. You see if, you, if there's a goal they need to reach that they can't in the market or they have a headache that needs to be solved and you can do that, either one of them, you have a deal. It's that simple. By asking questions. Yeah. And I think that that's the, that's the biggest thing here is understanding the motivation on this. And from a lender's perspective, what's great about solving that financial problem for them is that now that person, once they get that cleaned up, they probably can be another person that can be, you know, an applicant and lend on again later on. And in this yeah, like six months, six months out. Yeah. And in this scenario, if they have a, you know, basically a, a subject to with you, you know, in doing such, the lender can avoid using that current home payment because they have an agreement with you, you know, and they can actually take 75% of that agreement and offset that mortgage payment. And now that helps offset that debt on the application for them as well. I've seen 75%. I've seen every bank's a little different. I've seen 100%. I've seen 100% after some seasoning. Like I've seen all kinds right. of things. So I tell sellers, I don't ever guarantee them. I go, look, shop it because different banks do different things, but you can get coverage. Yeah. And usually, you know, it's 12 months afterwards. It goes up to, like, if you have 12 months proof of that, then you're starting to get closer to that Much 100%. Easier. Yeah. yeah. So one of the hot topics right now in Florida that we're hearing a lot about is, you know, I sit through a lot of real estate meetings. Uh, I'll talk to a lot of agents. I get the question about assumable mortgages all the time. And uh, obviously, we know there's one particular style of loans that are always assumable. And then outside of that, if you have an assumable clause, it's available, but it's very rare. I mean, to the point where it's almost non-existent. However, yeah. on VA's different story, 
big military town here in Jacksonville, but not everywhere's like that. What about wrap mortgages? Um, you know, starting to hear more about these. I'm starting to hear the term mirror wrap mortgages. Is that something you guys have in your, you know, in your in your book of you know ideas that you're using over there and being successful on? Yeah, if you look up the a student brought this to me a couple of years ago. If you look up on the VA site, mm-hmm. they they mention mirror wrap. That's oh, I didn't know the, that. Yes, and they allow it. This is the thing. People don't realize it. Like, wow. And I didn't realize it until a few years ago. A student brought one of my best students brought it to me. Okay. So when we'll do a wrap, when it's typically like when someone's in dire need for, for help as a sub two, they're typically going to renting. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go buy typically. But there are some, like we bought one from a school teacher. He had good credit. He just had a divorce and was like, I'm out of here. So we, we took it over 40 owed. But he said right up front, look, I need to go buy another house. So we did a wrap, a mirror wrap. My attorney just wrap, mirror wrapped the exact same amortization and, and interest rate and everything so that if we defaulted in his defense, he can foreclose and get his home back. Because if you don't do that morally and ethically and you go south or something happens, that you left that seller out to dry because they're gonna it's going to get foreclosed right. uh, by the bank. So that's when and why we would do it. But again, it's on, it's on the VA site. It says what it is. It says that they allow it. Yeah, and that's a big deal because then the the assumability is not the burden of the veterans at that point. You know, it right. allows you to kind of step in and take that. And to your point, in this low interest rate environment that we just had in 2020 and 2021, you, you could you could mirror wrap some very low interest rates as Crazy. well as doing some of these subject to these interest rates. And you know, and for our listeners, what Chris was referring to there is on these subject twos, they're they're essentially creating an additional promissory note that literally mirrors the current mortgage that the homeowner or seller has at the same interest rate at the same payment. And I think that's the key there. You're, you're getting the exact same payment and then you're turning around and you're finding a prospective buyer that may have credit issues that can't buy right away, but you're giving them an opportunity to own the home that they want starting now at a pre-agreed upon price, but charging them differential in rent versus what you're paying in that mirror, you know, agreement that you've yeah, made. Yeah. And I'll give seller. you a sort of um, next level of this and, okay. I'll, and I'll do it a little more slowly for that for listener. So, <laughs> Let's say we put in, this is a great strategy. There's many of these. Uh, let's say we put buyer A in the home. They're in rent home. Mm-hmm. We say to them, look, because we own this, there's no time ticking, right? It's not a lease purchase. We own this home. So here's what we're going to do, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer. If you, when you prove yourself with a full year of payments on time and your deposit gets up to 20%, so they get, they get to have time to put that deposit in. Whenever that is, no hurry. Instead of rent to own what you thought you were getting, will own or finance you at that point. Mm. Now they don't go through bank fees and all that crap. And if your underlying loan is two or 3%, you can finance to them for six or seven because that's about what the rates are going to be, right? For that, right. that you just created from a three payday, you just created like a fourth payday because now you're the bank. Yeah, Those are powerful. really cool deals. Yeah, that's really powerful. And, you know, to have that that leverage, you know, and have that opportunity, yeah. that's a big deal. That's fantastic. Now, are you finding in this market where inventory is... I'm definitely at a low. It's not an all-time low, but it's at low nationally. And, you know, every pocket's different. Are you finding it harder to find the properties in this environment because inventory is low and there is that lock-in effect of the rates where sellers are kind of, you know, don't want to give that up? It's actually loosening up dramatically since COVID. So Mm. here's the kind of cycle it went through. It's the opposite of what most people think. The cycle it went through is March and April of 20, we took three or four times the amount of properties that we ever took in any given month with the community. Okay. Because people, they were just panicky. Like, what do I do? So they, they would call us. Then of course it got crazy and it got a little hard. You had to talk to more sellers, but we still got properties during the crazy, you know, everybody was selling their house. 
Now, since interest rates started creeping up, so this has been a little run now, the literally leads that were being called over the last year or so are calling back our students left and right and us, our family. Um, because two things, rates are going up, so they panic. Now, you and I both know, like the 50-year average is, no, we're not even there yet. It's like 7.2 right. or whatever, crazy. But the media is screaming at them. Yeah, a lot and of if noise. you're average Joe, you don't know. Right. It's helping create a real estate dramatically. So yeah, we're back to a, a good craze of taking a lot of properties. And I think we're going to see it for a while. Yeah, that's something we talk about all the time on our show is the noise from the media, you know, and this Crazy. what it's doing. And in this case, it's actually feeding people back to you that you've already called on at one point because they are fearful right now. And, you yep. know, and I'm sure the current, you know, just market itself with inflation and just, you know, people's wages are starting to come down a little bit. All of this is probably adding in your favor here and setting up a real nice it cycle is. for you and the, the community over there at Wicked Smart. Yeah, and you got election coming. You know, there's a lot of things, sort of a perfect storm, I call it, that, that's feeding creative now. I mean, we're getting large, large communities who do wholesale and flipping, suffering on revenue right now, going, hey, can you teach our community how to do creative? Because they, they're getting hit. That mm -hmm. All those niches are getting hit. And, and we're not. We're thriving. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break, and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. What separates you from a property flipper or from the flipping community? I think I, I, yeah. I think that's important here. Yeah, and please disclosure, I'm not poo pooing any of them. They're my good friends are on my podcast, as you know. So I, I love them. Nothing wrong with all um, of them. They're just they're distinctively different. And I just want the yes, audience to understand yes. that. Well, one piece goes back to what I said with the paydays, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm flipping uh, or wholesaling, especially, I feel like I got a job that's pretty transactional. I mean, when I was a broker, that's what I did. Right, I did 100 right. homes, and I had to do it again next year. Um, versus the three paydays. Secondly, the the margins, I built homes before. I mean, the margins on flips right now are very difficult, not, not to mention the cost of money if you don't have cash. Mm -hmm. It just made it very difficult to do some deals. So this is a dramatic difference, but I think the biggest one is the three paydays, just to get you off the treadmill. Do you want to, you know, you leave in corporate America, a lot of people, that's who comes to us, with big salaries, you don't want to go do a job. Now, that precludes the people that built nice 10 and $20 million wholesale businesses that have a nice business, right? Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the smaller companies. You got a job. Well, you know, and the other thing is kind of leading into that, you know, I, I was reading about your program. You know, we just described who an ideal seller is. Well, there was three ideal sellers. We just went through them. Someone who's in really good financial shape, kind of wants to get an annuity payment of some sort, or, you know, they don't want to take a bulk of cash. Someone that needs to get their finances in order. And then someone that's in between both of those there that uh, you may do a subject to with them. But let's talk about people in your program because, I mean, you guys run a very successful, high-return, high-yield program. And, you know, I don't want to leave that off the table. I know we're limited with time here, but I definitely want to dive into that a little bit and talk about that. Yeah, I appreciate it. So you mean like who the avatar is sort of? Correct. Yeah. 
Um, here's what we're seeing. And I got some in my head, but we got about 10 on our list. So one is the the corporate person that wants to leave. Like our, our star students, one just left the government after 30 years, one left elevator job, salesman, earned a lot of money for like mm-hmm. 17 years. So they're just done. And maybe COVID caused a lot of that. We, I get that. We also see a ton of people that are leaving corporate America just because they want to start their own business and just make their way to us on accident. They didn't really necessarily know that they were going to do real estate. Secondly, a third now is if you're listening to podcasts, like your your and I shows, you're you're an avid learner because it takes a while to listen to a show, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the people come from podcasts, believe it or not, because they are always looking to learn and improve. A uh, big one, although big one is we are family oriented. This is just how we are. And even the community, not just our family. Mm-hmm. And so we get a lot of people that are like, either I want that for my family. I, I kind of like that environment. I trust that. Or I grew up in that. And I think it's really cool. And I want to be part of that. So we get a lot of that as well. No, it's pretty neat. It's really neat. And, you know, I think, um, you know, I have two children. I have a 16-year-old and a 15-year-old. And one of the things my wife and I continue to preach to them is just that, you know, you're not going to wake up one day and 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 have the things that, that you want. You're going to have to not only earn them, but you're going to have to build it, build it through wealth, build it through um, some sort of investment. And we preach real estate throughout our household. I mean, we're surrounded by it. Uh, it's part of the line of business that I've always been in. And, you know, it's just preaching real estate. And it, it always baffles me when I see the news or I see a reporter tell people that, you know, real estate's in a bubble. It's a bad time, da, da, you know, all of these things. When the power of real estate goes beyond just being a homeowner, like owning multiple homes yeah. and doing things and then and then doing it to the next level of what you guys have created, I think is fascinating here. And, uh, you know, I definitely am super appreciative of it. I think it's wonderful what you guys are doing. Oh, thank you. I, I Look, there's one constant, right? You kind of just alluded to it in real estate is constantly changing. Constantly. So I have a, we have a good friend, as a, she's a doctor and, and I think for like seven years, she's been saying to us, Quentin, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait till this, I'm going to wait till that, I'm going to wait till this. She's got a ton of money. I said, how about you just get good at what I do? Don't Put your money on the sidelines. Don't spend it and do a deal all the time. Right. That's that's the mentality you want. Once you learn that skill set, nobody can take it. Well, you know, people talk about passive income. This is the perfect example of passive income. Like you said, that spreadsheet, 10, 11, 12 properties out. You know, inside of this conversation, I was wondering, when you sell those properties, are you doing that through a 1031 exchange? That's up to the individual student. Okay. So I've done everything from regular in the LLC to... Mm-hmm inside my self-directed IRA, did two nice multis, turn those around quickly with this way terms uh, to the 1031s. You, that's up to the individual. What I tell them is, how about you get your cash flow needs set, if they don't already. Then mm-hmm. once you do, you decide how many of those, say you're doing two deals a month, how many of those in a quarter you might throw into your self-directed IRA or 1031. That makes sense. And then yeah. also, I think another thing about this you mentioned earlier, this doesn't just have to be residential properties. This can be commercial properties too. This can be any property type, multi, you know, multifamily, et cetera, on and on and on. Yeah. People buy cars, boats, literally planes. <laughs> and the more like the higher end property, people go, they will do, will they do the higher end. Yeah. They're easier to talk to. They get it. Right. Like this guy for this building who passed away, I'm in the office that he used to have. And he had a sign off front. It said for sale by owner. It said owner financing. Realtors kept bringing him offers and he kept saying, they don't get it because I don't want it. I didn't even know this guy. He just came to meet him. We struck a deal, no, no exaggeration, in about 15 minutes. He said, I'm a math guy. I love this. Like it was such a, and then we happened to use a law firm, the same law firm. So the whole thing took about two weeks. Can you imagine commercial underwriting for a mixed use building? Yeah, definitely not It'd two be weeks. like eight weeks yeah, or more. If you're lucky. 
<laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. No. And I mean, you said earlier, ma- people get it. Like certain people get it. And when it comes to mass, some get it a lot quicker than others, you know, yep. and that's, those are the ones that, that make those deals go as quickly as that one did. You know, I, I look at, um, I look at a couple of things here with, with real estate and perspective. What advice would you offer to someone that is looking to get into this field? Cause for me, you know, I was explaining your process to one of my business partners and the first thing he said without knowing, you know, how much research I had done on this, he goes, man, that just sounds like a lot of work. And I'm like, it, it, <laughs> I'm, it, I'm sure it is. I'm not, I don't want to discount how easy it's not. Right. But when you have a team like you've assembled there, it's almost like a, a streamlined, you know, uh, factory assembly. I, I kind of see what you guys are doing there and how you're doing it. So what piece of advice would you give to someone that's wanting to get into this? I know you have a 90 day jumpstart program, but what would you give advice for this person? I always say this because I, I look, I'm biased to creative real estate, but I'm not mm-hmm. so naive. There's a lot of great niches, right? Really right. cool niches in real estate. So here's what I say. If you decide that this is the niche for you, because it is a lot about helping people and some people like that and some would rather hide behind a computer and flip land and that's okay. Like everybody's right. personality is different. If it is, if it is this, do some free research for us. I'm big on free. I, we don't go pushing marketing and then not have anything behind it. Well, we'll give them a free book to your tribe here before we end. But you, there's also a master's class. I'll give them that for free. They can deal with my New England accent for <laughs> another hour. But but at least you see those and you go, all right, this is for me. And then you can look into the programs we have. Our programs are very hands-on. Our coaches are very hands-on. I coach some of the higher levels still. And it's about doing deals. So like we obsess over our metrics like time to first deal, TTFD, mm-hmm. things like that, not in a corporate meeting. Oh, how many units can we sit? No, it's all about deals and, and changing people's lifestyle because that's our mission. Well, no, it's, it's clearly, clearly. Where do investors go wrong? Like what, we just talked about all the wonderful things that could happen. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's look at the other side of the coin for our audience because I, yeah. I always ask people, ask me, like, hey, you talked about the good stuff, but what? So I want to make sure I hit it here. Where do these go wrong? Let's talk about where the deals go wrong and then where does the investor go wrong? I think, let me hit investor first. Let me do okay. a reverse if it's okay. The investor piece is easy because it's it's mismanaged expectations. And sadly, I think it's because of a lot of the marketing that's out there. Okay. You know, promising get rich quick. So what happens is they commit the niche. I'm going to try it. I promise you, if you try any niche, you're going to have a miserable experience. Okay. That's why I said, go do due diligence when you're ready, commit and put the blinders on for three to seven years. If you do that and you have someone guiding you, you can't have a bad experience. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be bumps to your point. There's going to be bumps. That you're an entrepreneur. There's bumps, mm-hmm. right? You've had them. I've had them. Oh, we yeah. had the only thing. So, so the investor thing, managing expectations, putting that three to seven year perspective in your brain doesn't mean you take three years to do a deal. It means if you have that perspective, you won't quit. Okay. Uh, with your first little curveball. As far as deals, we could do a whole show on this, but <laughs> there's the seller side, the buyer side, right? Right. The biggest mistake I see recently, like this week, I'm, I have a certain group that reports to me via voice text every night. Like these are the higher level people. And one was trying to like, almost like buy a deal. Like I said, why did you do such and such? He said, well, this is kind of what they wanted. I just want to make sure I got it. No, mm. no. So you're trying to almost like a broker would buy a listing, right? By pricing it too high. No, you you want to ask enough questions so you can solve a problem, not pacify them and get into a deal you don't want to be in. Secondly, um, the forms, the legal documents are important because things change so fast. I see courses being sold that were from like pre-COVID, never mind 10 years ago. And you're going to get yourself in trouble. There's yeah. just too many, too much old stuff out there. Our, our programs, we go in, it's a living, breathing thing. Like it's not a course, it's a resource that is changing all the time. Yeah, On the that. buyer side, big mistakes. My son runs the buyer side. Um, as you probably know, in this industry, people doing rent own, most of them do it incorrectly. And they'll say publicly 
that 80% of their people fail. That's awful. You're setting up buyers, 80% of them to lose. So we have about a two to 10% default rate on our buyers. It's because we do everything we can to set them up to win. Okay. So if you take the wrong buyer, just like the seller, take the wrong buyer in, it's a rental, it's not really a true buyer, you're going to have a headache. Mm -hmm. Promise you that. You're going to have a headache. So there's things like that you want to avoid. Yeah. It sounds like uh, if you're rushing in to find a deal, like you just like you said, buy a deal, you're rushing because your expectation isn't three to seven years. Like you said, you're just jumping right, right. in. Like I got to, you know, give me a deal, give me, give me, give me. And then you force that buyer in, you know, and it, it, you're going to set yourself up for a bad situation. Lose some, yeah. Yeah, lose some money. Yeah. Lose some money. You know, and I think that's where investors go wrong on here is that, you know, they, they come in in your case, you know, definitely like they're coming in, they're, they're, they're subscribing to your services, right? They're joining the team. That's big money, right? I mean, I saw some of the things that come with that. These aren't just, these, these, this is, you're making a commitment, but I also know how it pays off rather quickly based on what we've discussed here. But people can lose money if they try to do this on their own a lot more than, than what your services and what your subscription and, and what your plan is a whole hell of a lot more than that. Yeah. I'm smiling because we have this, there's this one particular couple, they'll be at the next event. So I always kid her from stage. She, <laughs> she took the home study course and God love her. had gone about eight deals on her own, totally mm -hmm. on her own. But every deal she brings me, I say, okay, let's do it. Let's whiteboard it right at the event. And we'll whiteboard it and she'll go, oh my gosh, I love that. Because they don't, there's so much money they'll leave another table. Right. I'm, what I'm afraid of is that they lose it. Like you, like they could go the other way and lose money and be, be, be hurt. Yeah. Is there any downside in doing what we've talked about here for the last 30 minutes? Is there any downside to the standpoint of a recession or any type of correction that could happen? Um, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, there's not a huge downside because why? Because you're not know, saying personally, you have leverage to negotiate. COVID was a good example. We had out of 72, knock on wood, we had like three or four headaches. That's that's really good because yeah. you have buyers in there, not tenants. But one was we did get a rotten tenant that took advantage of the federal situation. Like the forbearance that situation. situation. Uh -huh. The forbearance the situation, yeah. not having to make a payment. Now, yeah. the reason we didn't have headaches with the other ones is when you're a buyer, you're going to lose your option if you don't pay your rent. So you don't just mm -hmm. not, not pay your rent. But this one didn't care. So they were taking advantage of it. Long story short, the, the my owner financing deal came up, the balloon came due. So because I'm not on personally, I called him up. His name was Bob. I said, hey, Bob, I need an extension. These guys are sitting in the house. I'm going to get them out, but I need an extension. And he him to know. I said, or I can give you the house back. I, whatever you want. I, I'm not tied to it. No, 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 I don't want the house back. Okay. So we got an extension. My point is you're in the spot of leverage when you're not signed personally. Right. They have, they have zero on you. And you be morally and ethically and responsible and legal and you're good. Yeah. You know, and something that just dawned on me to ask here, when you're, when you're doing these, uh, subject twos, are you paying the mortgage company directly? Or are you giving that money to the seller in hopes that they pay it? Yeah, this is huge. Uh, lease purchase and sub two, we pay the bank directly. I figured I've had one exception. We stole in the house, um, where he had a portal with like three or four things and he's adamant about him having control over it. So we have a system where He'll pay it and send us a receipt, and we can also log on to just the mortgage. So that literally, the only one I can think of all these years. Yeah, and I mean, for our audience, that's a no-brainer because you can't. I mean, talk about a bad situation. You know, that seller could just keep that money, default on that note, and then you got a real big problem. So yeah, you know what I say? What's for a script? They say, "Well, I, I, you're not paying my mortgage directly, especially some of the newer students that don't know how to handle it." And, uh -huh. I, and I say, "Well, listen, I, we have you know 50 or 60 properties at any one time, and I can't morally and ethically put my buyer in your home if I'm not paying the mortgage. Can't do it." Sure. So we don't have a, we don't have a deal. 
Yeah. And if it's that confident, you say it, they're going to go with it. They don't, like I said, we don't do it. Yeah. And I think that that's another thing, like, you know, just can't force something that's not going to be there. Right. And the insurance is here is that you have to make sure that that buyer is not going to get kicked out of that house because you're under an obligation with them as well. This all this legal stuff starts to kick in and which kind of leads to my next question. I know you do this all over the country. Are there some states that are more favorable than others when you're looking at these types of investments? Um, I wouldn't say more favorable because these have been done since, just for context for the audience, th- this has been done. I read a book by um, uh, Anderson Cooper about his family and the wealth mm-hmm. and because they're in Newport, Rhode Island here. I, I okay. found it interesting. He talked about his family buying in New York City before banking, 1600s, owner financing. So it's been around forever, right? Okay. So I, I don't think I don't think that's ever an issue. And I'm sorry, I diverted. What was your original question on that? I said, is there some states that have more favorable laws? Oh, states. Or is there, sorry. Is there more favorable you know, states for this type of investment? than, Or maybe there's ones that are less favorable. Maybe that's the question. I, I was going to say, there's a few that are less favorable. You can work with it. But like Florida, you need a license that you can go hook it up with someone to do it. But you need a licensed individual. Once you get past you and you want an acquisitionist to be calling on the phone, like I trained my son-in-law mm-hmm. and he trained someone else. In Florida, you'd need a license to hang there if you did that. Not okay. a good deal. Um, in Texas, you cannot do a sandwich lease. So you are only buying sub two and, and owner financing. Great. It's the better ones anyway. Yeah. You know, so there's nuances. As you probably know, uh, Illinois, you can't wholesale now without a license. So we stay away from one of our deals that we already talked about called an AO, a sign out, which is kind of like a wholesale. So there's things like that, but you just have to know the rules. That's all. And that's not bad out of all the states, right? Right. Yeah. No, that's just like, I think four of them we just named. That's pretty darn yeah. good when you consider, you know, there's 50 out there. And so, work within the, the, the change of rules. It's okay. Yeah. No. And I mean, I think that, you know, we're sitting here talking about this and I'm digesting, you know, I feel like I'm drinking water from a fire hose here. Some of this conversation I and mean, I'm that's getting it. it and I've been doing this for 22 years. You know, I can't imagine if you're a new investor or if you're someone that doesn't quite understand all the terms and everything that we just described. However, if you want to learn more about this, yep. you know, I highly recommend you partner up with someone like Chris and his team at Wicked Smart. You know, I had someone tell me a long time ago, if I was going to learn to play a guitar, and my neighbor was going to teach me, or I had the opportunity to work with Eric Clapton. I'm going to go work with Eric Clapton here. And that's, uh, that's kind of the analogy I'll, I'll leave the audience with here. So how can they learn to work more with your team and, and get some, we talked about the free, you know, the one hour seminar they could listen to. We talked about some of the free yeah. material, but they want to take it a step further. What, what's your recommendation? How do they get hooked up with you guys? So I'll go in order. So just go to Wicked Smart Books, wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Harris. And then we'll know it's from your tribe. Now, it's not one of those operas, Quinn, where they go, Free book, but put your credit card for shipping. We're right. going to ship you everything. It's going to come from this office. You won't pay 10 cents. I just need your address for shipping. Uh, that's number one. Number two, the class is smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash master's class. If you want to like, while that's happening though, jump on a call with myself or one of the strategists. They're great guys. Just go to smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash action. They'll have one goal. Just so you know on the call. Where are you now? Where do you ideally want to be? And if you say, well, I just want to do what Chris said. Okay. Then we just got to figure out what's stopping you. We'll help you with those roadblocks. That's all the purpose of the call is about to help you figure out how you can get to, from point A to B. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today, taking some time to be with us. Guys, if you like what you're hearing, five-star review this podcast. Please share it with a friend, family member. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, and on our YouTube channel at What's Your One More with the number one. Subscribe. We also have the graphs. We'll have all the links that Chris just described in the show notes as well. Chris, thanks again for being on the show. Definitely appreciate your time today, and thanks for enlightening the audiences on some investment opportunities they probably didn't know about today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Got one more shot, I'm gonna make it One more chance, I'm gonna take it I 
man, and when I said it, now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah.